That's Sunday kind of love. You got a Sunday kind of love? Not particular. No? No. Things a little more chaotic at the Reese household, no, huh? No, 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 no. My love is seven days a week. Ah, oh, man, that's just lame. Seven days a week. That's not descriptive. Oh, what, what, you want me to do something special on Sunday? I don't know. What no. about What about Tuesday? You ain't got love for Tuesdays? Tuesday is the most irrelevant day of the week, isn't it? Feels like that. Yeah. It ain't the beginning. It sure ain't the end. Friday can be irrelevant, too. To some, production, it can be. I've had some great Fridays. It can, it can <laughs> I've had be. Some great Fridays, man. Sunday special. You, you, what's what does your Sunday kind of love entail? I mean, like, oh I, man, I the Sunday. The you know what it is? The question. You know what the Sunday kind of love is? It's the grind. Okay, getting up, getting after it, crushing it. You know what I did this week? I crushed it. You okay. know what I'm going to do next week? I'm going to crush it. Okay. You know what I'm doing right now? Take a guess. I am not. I am. I'm not going to feed this beast. Crushing it. <laughs> not going to feed it. You know, I was looking around the NFL, and we were talking yesterday about Danielle Hunter from the Minnesota Vikings being unhappy with his new contract. And I said, well, maybe you go out and you make an offer to him, right? And you were like, yeah, maybe. <laughs> he just signed a $20 million deal today. <laughs> there. That is a position that you just have to shell out money for, man. You're not going to be able to get a really good pass rusher on the cheap. And all is right with the world. And all is right with the world. We got Brian on the line? All right, perfect. On the Johnson Auto Plaza hotline, we bring in the Daily Cameras, Brian Howell. Brian, good morning and happy Sunday, buddy. Thanks for taking the time out of your schedule to join us. No problem. Good to you guys. Oh man, we are we're just living. We're just living. It's been a fun week here in Broncos country, just like it has been up in Boulder, Brian. And look, I don't know that nor you nor I really saw this one coming, at least not this fast, but the Buffs are off to the Big 12. What was your initial reaction, pal? Well, obviously I've heard a lot of the rumors and things like that. I I still felt, uh, you know, up until uh, a week ago that they were going to find a way to stay in the Pac-12 that that was all going to work out, but um, you know, clearly the Buffs found a more stability and security in the, in the Big 12 and decided let's move on. Brian Kyle here. Is this Rick George and the higher-ups playing their cards close, close to the vest, or is this some new information that materialized over the last week or so um, that made this an urgent matter? No, I think it's been in the works for a long time. I think it's them playing things close to the vest. I mean, Think about it with Rick George. I mean, the the coaching hires he's had and how much information did not leak out prior to uh, coach announcements being made. And he, he's been pretty good at keeping things close to the vest. And I think there was a, a lot of behind-the-scenes work over the last couple of months, and it just came out this week. Brian, what do you think really happened at the end of the day with the Pac-12? Why were they not able to get something done and still haven't, for that matter? Yeah, I don't know why they haven't been able to. I mean, you would think that, they would have some more urgency with that and try to get it done a while ago. And maybe they did, but I think if they're taking this long, maybe it's that they're not very attractive as a group. I don't know. Mm. But, uh, you know, I, I think that when you're University of Colorado and probably some of these other schools, you're a little frustrated with it. I think that, you know, that's probably a question that Rick George and Phil DeStefano are asking. is like, why did this not get done? You know, why are we in this position anyway? So um, I do think that they were committed to being in the Pac-12. I mean, when they would say that, I believe them. Um, I think that they were committed to being in the Pac-12 and wanted to stay there. 
But as time went on, I think a lot of frustration built up in the administration. They said, we got to look at other options. Mm. How much from a media standpoint is this driven by star power? And I'm talking Lincoln Riley. I'm talking Coach Prime. Even prior to this week, Bronny James, the fact that those guys would or, or may not be in the conference, is that making this thing more complicated to attract a, a media deal? Yeah, I think so. Uh, I think well, I mean, once you lose the L.A. schools, uh, that makes the Pac-12 less attractive um, mm. as a whole. Uh, you know, Oregon and Washington are, are good national brands, but they certainly don't bring the L.A. market. And you know, now that you lose to Colorado, it's it looks like the league is crumbling a little bit. And so, I think it's going to be even harder to get that deal. And I wouldn't be surprised if another Pac-12 school, maybe one residing in Tucson, uh, leaves for the Big 12 soon. So, I, I think it's going to be tough for the Pac-12 going forward. But you know, it, it's a crazy world right now in college realignment, and who knows what will happen. Maybe they'll, they'll all stay together because we thought 13 years ago the Big 12 was going was to yeah. crumble, and it didn't. So yeah. we'll see what happens. Brian, when it comes to rebuilding rosters and maybe shifting the way that you recruit for the conference you're going to play in, what changes, if any, do you see moving from Pac-12 to Big 12? I don't see a lot. I think that, I mean, there was some stuff made of that, that, you know, hey, we can get in Texas more. Well, they've been getting in Texas recently anyway. I mean, you look mm-hmm. at a lot of their best players in, in recent years. It's LaVisca Chenault, you know, Jarek Broussard. Uh, I mean, several of their quarterbacks, Steven Montez, Brendan Lewis. Uh, these are guys that they all got from Texas. There's a lot wait, of wait, line. Wait. Don't, Brian. Don't do it. Don't do it, Brian. Matt. <laughs> don't do it. All right. I'm not all right. Brendan Lewis is one of the best players. I said he was a quarterback. Oh, from okay. Texas. Sorry. 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 That was the criteria. We love you, Brian. We just had to clarify. That was all. Uh, but but even I mean, Owen McCown. I mean, you look at all those quarterbacks and and all the some of the top players they've had. They've come from Texas, and so sure. uh, they've been hitting Texas pretty hard the last decade or so. So I don't think it changes that, but it might make it easier to get into Texas. You, you don't think that talking to a kid from Houston where a Vince Young is from, convincing them that every other year they're going to get a chance to play, the opportunity to play mm. in their own in their home city, that's not a compelling recruiting tool? I think it is, definitely. Um, I, I'm just saying that they haven't even been able to say that in the last 10 years, and they're, they've been getting players out of Texas. So right. uh, you can probably add to that now that you're going to go not only to Houston, but there's opportunities to go to to Lubbock and to Dallas and, and things like that. So uh, Waco, uh, you know, and now and also Florida. You know, Coach Prime obviously loves his Florida guys, as he says, and uh, now there's that opportunity. Who knows how often they're going to go to UCF? I would think it's maybe every two, three years, but um, you still have that opportunity. You can say, hey, we're going to come to UCF. You're going to come to Orlando and play. So uh, there is that opportunity. The other thing I wanted to ask you about as far as, you know, it comes to college football realignment right now, there's 13 teams slated to be in the Big 12 in 2024, and there are rumors and reports out there that 14 is the perfect number, and there are many schools rumored to be joining Colorado. But Kyle and I were just having this conversation. If Utah, Oregon, and Washington come to the table, all three, and want to join the Big 12. Don't they kind of have to say yes? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think if you can get an Oregon and Washington as a package deal, I think you take it, or, or even on their own. I mean, uh, I think you take a three if you can. Um, I think it's anywhere between one and three. Um, my guess would be it's going to be Arizona, and then Oregon and Washington might be the next two. So I think it might be those three, mm. but um, I could see them stopping in Arizona, but if you want, if Oregon and Washington want to be there, absolutely you take them. 
how much of it is it a a race to now have the conversation amongst the leftovers in the Pac-12? Are, are those teams saying, well, I, we weren't really thinking about it, but now we probably need to make a decision? Yeah, for sure. And I think that when they get together as a group of nine now, I'm sure there is that solidarity and there is that uh, that vibe in the room that, yes, we're, we're committed to each other, just like it was uh, with the last 10, uh, you know, when Colorado was there. But outside when they leave that room, it's like, all right, we're committed, but let's check out our options here. So uh, I think if you're Arizona, Oregon, Washington, Utah, ASU, all those schools, you're probably exploring some things and saying, are, are we able to get into the Big 12? Can, is that something that's an option for us? So you have to look at those things if you're those other schools. I want to get back to football here in a minute. We're talking to Brian Howell of the Boulder Daily Camera. I want to get back to football here in a minute, but the other thought that came across my mind when all this came out, Brian, was – man, I'd love to be a fly on the wall of whatever room Tad is in right now because it's going to be a big transition for the basketball team as well. How do you think that news went over, and how do you see that transition playing out? Yeah, I, I would imagine it was exciting. Just If you're a competitor, you love being in a league like that, right? I mean, it's it's a step up for men's basketball. It's going to be tougher uh, to win a league title, uh, but they haven't won one in the Pac-12 anyway. But <laughs> um, it's going to be tougher to win a league title, but – you're, I would think that your net rankings and things like that could be higher because you're playing better competition night in and night out. Yeah, that's a good point. And, and certainly building off of this recruiting class, if, if they can have some sort of sustained success this year and stack another good class on top of it, probably should provide them with some good momentum. But definitely, I would think you'd recruit a little bit differently, right? Maybe a little bit more physicality than you have in the past with, with Pac-12 yeah, basketball. So. And, and you know, my colleague Pat Rooney actually talked to uh, Tad Boyle, and he had a comment there that, you know, we might shift some of our recruiting a little bit. Now, not that we'll give up California, but it might look more towards Texas and things like that. So um, I do think their eyes will shift a little bit to the Big 12 country because of the things you're talking about that you can sell recruits on, hey, we're going to come play at home. And you can do that more so in basketball than football right. because you're going to hit those schools almost every year you're going to go to those places. So um, it's probably a better, a better sell in basketball than it is football. The other thing I wanted to get to with you is we have – Another training camp starting up this week, isn't that right? Doesn't doesn't camp start? What is it, Wednesday? Yeah, I believe it's Wednesday. Oh boy, Brian, you excited for yet another training camp? <laughs> uh, I don't know if excited, but yeah. Oh I, come I'm on, you're fired up. You're just chomping at the bit this time around. I, I'll tell you what, I'm excited for the games to start because uh, there's been so much talking about this team for the last nine months and figuring out what did, what what is this going to look like. But I just want to get to September second and see what this team looks like on the field. Right. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. You think we're going to be able to watch more practices than we have in years past? In, in years past, we've we've really been stranded outside the gates. Yeah, I would imagine that's the case. I, I don't think it's going to be more. Um, I think Dion's going to be pretty uh, closed off with things. And, uh, you know, essentially we'll watch more because if everybody watches the well-off videos and things like that, you're going to see more than you ever saw before. That's true. But whether we can watch it with our own eyes uh, in person, I would guess it's uh, – less if not exactly the same i wouldn't think it's gonna be more last one out the door here before camp does get started this week just reflect back on the transition since the last season concluded yeah it's quite a transition isn't it Uh, to go from the worst program in the country and one of the dullest programs in the country to you're now talking about a team that you know was talked about all, all across the country right i mean you have one of the most interesting teams in the nation, you know, coming off of a 1-11 season, and we have no idea what this team is going to look like. Everybody's intrigued about what this is going to look like. There's a lot of people that want it to fail 
people that want it to succeed, but everybody's interested to see what, what happens with the Colorado Buffaloes, and nobody was last year. Nobody cared. So it's <laughs> going to be quite different from uh, years past. We care again, Brian. We care again very much, and I'm looking forward to seeing you on Wednesday, pal. Yes, can't wait to see you. All right, that is Brian Howell of the Boulder Daily Camera joining us on this Sunday morning. Kyle, it's exciting times back up in Boulder. Yeah, it really is. I always talk about the old school days about uh, CU football being must-see TV mm-hmm. and coming home on Saturday afternoons and making sure you caught that game. Yeah, um, those, Guess what? that was a long time ago. Guess what? It's coming back around. Okay, I'm looking forward to it. Hey, man, don't threaten me with a good time. I'm in. Ah, it's Denver Sports Station, 104.3 The Fan. You know what this week is? Talk to me. The Major League Baseball trade deadline. Oh man, it's coming up on Tuesday, or no? It's t- no, it's Tuesday. It's yeah, Tuesday. Yeah. yeah. Max Scherzer yesterday. Max Scherzer, man, going from the Mets to the Texas Rangers. He's what is he? Sixty-two? Yeah, he's something like that. Okay. Yeah, right. I think he might be fifty-seven. Actually, <laughs> I think he might be fifty-seven. But the Mets, man, over a three hundred million dollar payroll, and they absolutely, you know, what the bed this year in a real way. Yeah, I think the Rockies. Uh, well, they got five or six wins off of them, right? Yeah, the yeah. Rock. Yeah, when the Rockies are taking care of you, you got problems. Uh, and the Rockies again smoked by the A's this anyway, oh, multiple times. Talk about this. multiple times. Anyway, no, we should be talking about it because this is a this is a really important storyline. The only team worse than the Rockies. The A's are thirty and seventy six. Would they take two or three out of the Rockies? Uh, yeah, and, they and took two and two so far. They play today at one ten, which. A- 11 runs last night. If you're going to the game today, it's just to be at the ballpark. You are not going to watch baseball. That much I know. That much I can guarantee you. The Oakland A's, 30-76. and 76, 46 games under 500 have beaten the Rockies twice in a row. The Rockies sit at 40-64, and 64, just 24 games under 500. So really, I mean, if you're comparing the two, the Rockies look a lot better. Right, Kyle? I mean, they got 10 more wins than the A's do, so that's good. <laughs> <laughs> Here, here's the situation in the next few days the Rockies got to make a lot of deals they got to recoup assets for anything that resembles value if the Rockies ever want to do this the right way this is what they have to do and this is why I give them such a hard time Kyle there's one way to build in baseball and it's to do it organically unless you're the Dodgers or the Yankees or a major market destination You have to do it the old-fashioned way in baseball. That's just the way the sport works. It's way too complex and convoluted to try and piecemeal a winner together. It's certainly not sustainable. But it takes momentum, right? Because they've had, they've had flashes, right? They've had. No, they haven't. What are you talking about? uh, In in terms of building organically, they've had players in Corey Dickerson. They've had players. Oh, oh, you mean throughout the years? Yeah, they've had players that have come up, but they just they can't stand alone in that. Right, they have to have some momentum. I'm not telling you everyone has to be an A plus player, but they have to like bring five. along some Bs. You just along. named Corey Dickerson and Nolan Arenado. I'm just talking about guys that came through the system. Okay, right, and that's fair. But my point is, is to build a baseball team and to build a winner, you have to have guys come through the system at the same time. That's what I'm saying. It's the right. momentum, right? You, you can't. But just it's have the numbers. One that stands alone. It's the numbers. It's not just the momentum. It's the numbers. Yeah. You got to have enough. You gotta have enough players. Like you, you need more than one Nolan Arenado. You need a pitching staff. You need a bullpen, right? You need a starting rotation. We're saying the same thing. 
Yeah, well, are we? Yeah, <laughs> I just want to make Sanders. sure. Who is it working for? It's working for the Diamondbacks right now, right? I mean, it's worked for the Rays. It worked for the Cubs. Yeah. When they won, it, that's how they won. Yeah. It wasn't because they added free agents. I'm just saying, now that now it fell apart for them because they really had no interest in keeping it together, and they couldn't get everybody focused after they already won. It was like you beat the giant gorilla off your back, and now finally it's like, all right, every, everything else is gravy. But outside of that, Kyle, for the Rockies, we haven't seen anything close to that type of approach. We just haven't. They get impatient. They want to spend a lot of money, and that's fine. Spending money is fine, but spending money frivolously and for no point, that's not fine. Well, you got to understand who you are, too. Are you going to get into a spending contest with the Dodgers? You're going to lose it. Every you know time. I mean? You're going to lose Every it. Every time. So, Apparently, yeah. Shohei Otani's off the market. Which, good for the Angels. The Angels think they can make a run, huh? Yeah, I don't know why. I mean, good for the Angels. They they made a couple of deals. They added Lucas Giolito from the White Sox, and they made another trade as well. And they're going to try and, I guess, add some talent. But, I mean, let's look at the Angels right now. Currently, they sit in third place in the AL West, six games back of the division there. And for the wild card, the A's... They're five games back of the final wild card. Uh, they're going to end up, what, 12 games under 500 and still have Shohei Otani when they could have gotten a King's Ransom for him? And I just nothing now. I just don't understand it. I'm sorry. I understand not wanting to be the guy who trades a, a possible goat, right? You don't want to trade one of the best players of all time, especially in his prime. But if he's not going to re-sign, which he's already made it evidently clear, I just don't understand it. Well, but, and, and I I don't have the attendance or any of those numbers in front of me. It's not good. But It's so, Los it's, Angeles. And so what are you getting out of it, right? Are you getting butts in the seat? Is it about being competitive? What is the end game here? Well, I guess I guess what you're getting out of it is not having an empty stadium because if you did move him, nobody's absolute, showing up. Yeah, nobody's showing up. That's for sure. And there was also another rumor that Nolan Arenado was going to be traded to the Dodgers. Did you see that? Which would be Rockies fan nightmare. But that's not happening, apparently. I mean, yeah. we'll hold our breath a little bit until the deadline passes, but that would be just about worst-case scenario for the Rockies Cardinals fans. Stink this year, right? Cardinals are terrible. Yeah. Yeah, the Cardinals are terrible. Yeah, a little, little but juju. They, little but they came out and said that they want to build a winner with him. So, You it, might believe them, though. In other news, the Avalanche quietly the other day finalized their roster and added their final roster spot, Ben Myers, who was an undrafted free agent coming out of co college in 2022. So at the end of their Stanley Cup season, they picked him up. He was the captain of the Minnesota Golden Gophers. He's played the last few seasons, kind of been up and down between here and Loveland. They picked him up one year, 770000 Now they're using their long-term injured reserve money. They're using Gabriel Landeskog's money. So they've got about $2 million left over. I don't know how they're going to spend it. I don't know if they're going to spend it. I don't know if there's a player that would fit what they want to do that they could get at that type of a number. But that's what they have left to play with. We're going to talk about the Avs here coming up in a couple of months. You know the season's like less than 70 days away. It happens quick. And we're back. Yeah. And we're back. But they've been off for two months. They, it, it has, it's, <laughs> it's to me, it feels same. like just yesterday, doesn't it? It's not the same. It's not the same when you don't win a championship. You know? It's just not. Yeah. Are you still feeling any of that championship hangover from them? 
in a good way or bad way. Like, Either. I, I, I feel like you're, I feel like when you win a championship, it gets you a year and a half, maybe two years, get out of jail free. So they've got this year too. Depend on how it looks. Okay. <laughs> Depending. We'll get back to I, I we'll get back to them. I have more faith in the front office than you do. Well, we'll get back to them. We'll get back to them in a couple of months. Okay. To be continued. Sleep tight. Check back. Sleep tight. All so right. they filled out their roster. We'll see if they do anything else with that money. I'd be Anyway, we'll get back to them. <clears throat> the NBA also threatened their players this week. I thought that was fascinating. You've never been to jail, have you? Um, <laughs> you don't know how valuable I flirted that with it. I flirted with it. Free card is. <laughs> Tell you, man. I've flirted with that, it. That, that means something. <laughs> no, I've never been to jail because you know why? I'm an upstanding citizen. Good for you. I am. I'm a good Samaritan. I'm a contributor to society in a positive way. How about you, Coach? Uh, uh was that in the Chushkin? What? <laughs> You're comparing yourself to Val? No, 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 no. I'm just trying, you were a high I'm just school trying coach. to change the subject. <laughs> okay, okay. All right, all right. Maybe you could well, use the it. NBA threatened their players this week over the Dame Lillard trade request, which I thought was fascinating. This has been happening in the NBA now for a few years where players are requesting a trade to specific locations. And that's essentially the holdup on the Damian Lillard trade is he only wants to go to Miami, and he's only going to play for Miami. NBA teams were not happy about that. NBA owners were not happy about that. Surprised or not surprised? That the owners aren't happy? Mm-hmm. I, 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 you know, it's a player's league. It already is. And, and for them to have that type of leverage and to make those kind of demands, it's a little bit of a flex, right? And I can imagine, you know, billionaires not appreciating that. You're overstepping a little bit? Yeah. Well, the memo, which was obtained by ESPN that the league sent out to every team, said that the league had interviewed Lillard and Lillard and his agent, um, his agent, his name is uh, Aaron Goodwin, Aaron Goodwin, following ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski reporting earlier this month that Goodwin had called other teams and warned them against trading for Damian Lillard because he'd be unhappy anywhere but Miami. And clearly owners want to set a precedent saying you don't get to make that call. You can request a trade, but you cannot force where you want to go. This is like a scare tactic to me, because what power do they really have here? They've already given it up. Yeah. The the NBA owners have no power. Happening? Yeah, I, yeah. You can't stop that from happening. I don't. I don't think they can. I think this is the way that they're trying to is by scaring their own players, or at least attempting to. Well, and but so now the creativity's got to kick in, right? So. Okay, if you come to Charlotte, you may not be happy, but guess what? Now I'm still going to use you as an asset to to make our team better. So uh, th- there's a game within the game to me that you know they got to get better at. Interesting, because the NBA said that in this memo, it informed the NBPA, the Players Association, that any private or public comments like Goodwin saying that don't trade for him because he won't play for you will be subject to discipline in the future. So that's how they're going to attempt to at least get a handle on it. Does that mean barring the agent? Well, no, that basically means that you cannot carry this out and try and leverage yourself in the public forum. Like, don't be leaking things about about situations you have no control over. Like, don't, as an agent, come out and tell, you know, your guy in the media to come out and say, you know, he's not going there because you're not going to play for it. But him. isn't that the agent's job? Kind of, kind of, it is. But I just think when you're talking about, like, the real stars, you know, because we've seen Kevin Durant do this. We've seen James Harden do it too many times. Okay. He, he did it one too many times, and it backfired on him this time around. 
But I could understand why NBA owners are like, hey, hey, we are, you've got us, you know, in a really vulnerable position here. We've got to find a way to start to fight back here, which yeah. is ironic, but that's kind of where we're at. I just, I just have a hard time seeing any real consequential leverage or, or, or anything that can be handed out in terms of consequence that would make them stop doing that. I don't know what it would be. I really don't. Other, th- other than barring the agent, that's the only thing that they can do that, that would make them stand down. Force a force a guy to pull David Stern kibosh to trade. Why can't Adam Silver just do that? I mean, it would have been Chris Paul and Kobe. Yeah, but are, are you doing that every six weeks now? <laughs> that's, that's that's a good point. That would be the you know that type of rate. You'd almost have to do it every summer. I mean, that's just the truth. Yeah. The other NBA, well, NBA. The other basketball story I wanted to bring up is send our sincerest thoughts out to the James family. Very very scary situation with Bronny James earlier this week where he suffered cardiac arrest while practicing at the USC facility over the summer and was rushed to the hospital. He was in the ICU, but he's already out. There was a video of him that LeBron put out there playing piano and dining out with his dad. So I'm thrilled that everything is okay for Bronny there, but a a, a terrifying situation this week because what a lot of people don't understand is during the summer, Facilities aren't full of training staff and medical personnel, but apparently there was a trainer on scene. And thank goodness, because they saved Bronny's life. Yeah, and, and that might be a justification for uh, for that being the policy moving forward. You're right. You know, it's not uncommon for guys to work out on their own and, and, and be in empty gyms shooting and, and, and testing themselves. And honestly, that's what makes these guys great, is, is their willingness to do things when no one's looking. So, um yeah, it, it's a scary situation, and, and it's just you don't understand it. You know, for a, a guy young like that, eighteen, healthy, it, it, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But you're, you're thankful that it was a a good outcome for the, for the James family. So I don't think it's probably I don't think this is the proper time to to speak about his future or or, or basketball no. prospects or any of those no. things. Just thankful that the young man got another shot. Yeah, yeah, seriously, really terrifying. And you're right; there probably should be some sort of amendment to policies across the country about working out in team facilities. It's not like this couldn't happen anywhere, but to be liable for it like that, that's scary. Yeah. There's just certain things that you don't do by yourself, you know. uh, But he's just going to shooting hoops. Like you said, he's 18. He's doing all his life. Right. Right. So it's hard to tell him not to do that. And, again, it's part of what makes them great. Um, Just scary, You don't go into a gym saying, I'm not going to shoot by myself because I could pass out. Right. It just doesn't cross your mind. No. The other piece of news that dropped last night is star running back, former AP Offensive Player of the Year, I'm pretty sure, Jonathan Taylor of the Indianapolis Colts, requested a trade after a meeting with Jim Irsay. Yeah, you old gas bag, <laughs> give me the hell out of Indianapolis. Which was fascinating because did you see the little exchange that that they had, or at least Jim Irsay had on Twitter? A few days ago, or excuse me, on X. You listen to Jim Irsay still? <laughs> it was funny, though. I, he, I think he's actually deleted the tweet now, but he was talking about running backs and how <laughs> he's like, if I stop being here, if I'm not living anymore, what did he say? I got to find the exact tweet because it was hysterical. It's, he clarif- he came out and clarified his comments, but he goes, he goes, if I die tonight and Jonathan Taylor is out of the league, no one's going to miss us. The league goes on. We know that. The National Football League rolls on. It doesn't matter who comes and who goes, and it's a privilege to be a part of it. Doesn't Jim Ursay always have to clarify his comments? Doesn't he always have to come back and clean it up? You know what that reminds me of? Huh. Talking about death where it just doesn't belong. 
And maybe maybe this example it belonged in more. But do you remember what Carl Durrell said before the season last oh. year? He said, "If I died, and I think about this all the time, but if I died." I'll know that I'll have left Colorado in a better place than when I found it. He, he, just, he didn't want to say fired. That's what he didn't want to say. <laughs> he didn't want to say if I get fired. Um, oh, man, Jim. But you know what? Okay, so Jonathan Taylor doesn't want to be in Indy anymore. Is it because uh, if would he want to be there if you felt great about Anthony Richardson? Would there be a more compelling reason other than money that would keep him there? Does he just look at the organization and say, man, I've done my time? <laughs> no, I think that's interesting. The Anthony Richardson part of the conversation is fascinating. Maybe he just want, he feels like he's just not ready yet. But he also wants more money. That's the whole thing. Now, Jim Ursay came out last night and said he's not going to trade him despite his trade request. So we'll have to you know keep our eyes to see if a contract extension actually materializes. But it doesn't seem like... Both parties are headed in that direction. The NFL running backs, man, drama. They might end up having to have that summit. Did you see uh, uh, Etienne have, uh, in his presser uh, yesterday, Travis Etienne? No, what did he say? So he made a really, really good point. And, you know, he, he gave us the cliche, I can control what I can control. But then he talked about diversifying their skill set. Okay. And – becoming a better pass catcher, becoming a, the more you can do, longer you can stay mentality type guy. And I think that's where uh, the running back position can be empowered as a player, mm-hmm. right? Becoming a little bit more diverse, splitting out. Now, I don't know that coaches are going to be more apt to do that, but he made a really good point about, hey, man, I can do more to make myself more valuable. Okay. I mean – that's fine. Is Saquon Barkley not a good receiver out of the backfield? I don't really buy that. That's, that's a little naive of Travis Etienne. Oh, in, in what way? In every way. It, it, what, what other tool does he have to combat what's going on with the running back position? That because, he doesn't have that tool. Okay. Because Saquon Barkley is a great receiver out of the backfield, and he's only getting a certain amount of money. It doesn't matter how good you are at catching the ball in the backfield. It just doesn't. There's, you've got to be able – They've it's got the to position, find a way. buddy. Yeah, it, it stinks, man. But and you know what else? I, I wrote this down yesterday. We didn't get a chance to talk about this. I think receivers going the same way. What? It's going the complete opposite I way. Think, I think they have more leverage than way. ever. Yeah, I, I I don't believe so because when you look at it, there are a lot of guys that were drafted in the later rounds that have gone on to be productive, right? If you think I always use this example, the Minnesota Vikings were in the NFC Championship with Case Keenum, Adam Thielen. Stephon Diggs. At the time, Stephon Diggs was a third-round draft pick still in his rookie contract. Adam Thielen was an undrafted guy. Okay. Right? You can find guys to be productive for you. It's the quarterback position. It's really what it is. So I wouldn't be surprised if three years from now we weren't having the same conversation about receivers feeling like they were underpaid or undervalued. Well, there's – and I guess I should clarify my comments because it's not every receiver that has that leverage. It's just the guys at the top of the market. They certainly have that leverage. If you're on your rookie contract and you've already established yourself as a star – So really it's not that many. It's not that many. But those that that do hit it, they hit it big right now. Yeah. But you're right because the back end of the room – those guys are a dime a dozen, more so than running backs, really. Running backs, we talk about supply and demand, right? There's just not a ton of supply. Real, excuse me, there's too much demand 
right? And there's just too much supply. For wide receivers, there's too much demand. And for running backs, there's too much supply. That's what I'm trying Where to did, say. Which economics class did you stop in? My, my... No, I did micro and macro. <laughs> okay. I was just trying to get it out the right way. I got there. <laughs> my point was is that for, for wide receivers, right, there's just there's – just... There's a ton of them. Tons of them. Ton of, the market is running flooded. backs and receivers if you want to. Right, you know? right. But you also have four, five, six of those guys on your team. Running backs, you sure. got two, maybe. And every year, you're you're continually getting a replenished stock of them, Kyle. It's just not going to get easier for them yeah. at any stretch. Unless football all of a sudden reverts back to, you know, smash mouth football, which I don't think any of us can see that coming or oh. anticipate that coming the bell cow back the the, the old that era days of those those 34 uh, uh, carry uh, uh games it's 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 done just like justin timberlake said i turn my head to the east i don't see nobody by my side i turn my head to the west still nobody in sight what the hell <laughs> <laughs> so the denver broncos were back in action okay they've got the day off we were out there yesterday at the denversports.com zone we'll be out there broadcasting live all day of course tomorrow and the next day and wednesday and the broncos have a preseason game in two weeks not this friday but next friday they go on the road to the arizona cardinals friday night eight o'clock nfl network we've already seen what the ramp up part of training camp is going to look like but what about this next week you put pads on tomorrow for the first time. What do they have to get accomplished here? You start to separate yourself. Look, there's a saying in football. When we start hitting, you start forgetting. And you start to separate guys when the physicality gets introduced to the to the, to the deal here. So, um, yeah, I, I think that up front you're going to find out what you've got. You know, and obviously McGlinchey coming back, unfortunately, had a death in the family. But now uh, him coming back into the fold next week. You really get to see some of that power running game. Maybe you see a little bit less of the wide zone. You get to see whether these guys can pull and kick guys out and those kind of things. So you you start to see some of the more physical components and schemes uh, in practice. So uh, and, and and again, that separates guys. Well, Sean Payton talked this week that you know he he's preaching to his coaching staff that they don't want to be early evaluators. Meaning, you want to at least give the guy a chance to show himself, and you also don't want to overreact in a positive way, to just one or two practices, right? Yeah. Caden Stern's making a one-handed interception the other day. Is that what you're talking about? We had I, some I early just, evaluators out there on Caden Stern's? Yeah, it's okay. Yeah, no. but that's your guy. I mean, safeties, no, that's your no, thing. No, you I'm told just, me that safeties I'm were the just, biggest storyline of 2023. I'm just taking a shot at you for poo-pooing my safety comment last week. Do you feel better because Caden Stearns made an interception? I just know. Do you feel more justified? Nope, nope, but I don't forget. You feel vindicated, don't you? Just say it. Nope. It's okay if you can say it. Nope. Kareem Jackson was in a uh, hat the other day, too, in the bucket hat. Damn, was he? Look at that. Kyle may have called it. Big storyline right there. Whatever, dude. <laughs> well, what is interesting yeah. is that Caden uh, Stearns is practicing full. I mean, okay. we had heard this summer from Mike Kliss that he was dealing with a hip issue and wasn't tracking to be ready to go by training camp, but ended up being ready to go by training camp. It, it did, right? And But look, hip issues are one of those things that don't go away. Oh, really? Right? Kind of like back issues. Yeah. Right? I don't know, know anything about that. No doubt. So, mm. so it, it, you know, you're going to have to continue to monitor that. But, you know, right now he's – He's moving around really well, but, you know, don't think that they don't have him on the plan. Yeah, and and also there was some validity to what you said about safeties. It just so. certainly wasn't the biggest storyline. So. I mean, it just certainly wasn't the biggest storyline. I just line. wanted to give you something different. Yeah, I know, yeah. I know, and you always do that. I can always count on you for something a little <laughs> bit off the beaten path. 
Look, I think it'll be interesting to see if Caden Stearns can actually win that job in camp. I imagine that Kareem Jackson can maybe get more rest days than your average NFL player. He's a vet who, what is this, year 14, 13, 14 for Kareem? It's got to be. I mean, it's got to be. What'd you say? 14. Yeah, it's got to How about that right off the top? There you go. Year 14 for Kareem. This is a guy who probably doesn't need to be out there every day in camp, right? You know what you got. Yeah, you know what you got. And for Kareem, it's just about getting your body right. You know, it's look, I mean, he's probably going to have to learn, which is why he's out there as well. But I like the fact that they brought him back. Whether or not he does end up starting for them, I think he will. I do. I think week one he'll be your starter at strong safety. Yeah. Give me give me the reasons he wouldn't be. I can't think of a ton. Uh, again, you didn't bring him here to watch. Uh, what did they end up giving Kareem this year? Do we know? I'm going to look that up real quick. That's a fascinating conversation contract-wise. Yeah, not a ton for sure. One not- year, $5 million. guaranteed. They did not bring him here to watch. Yeah, they definitely didn't bring him here to do that. But, I mean, Kenyon Stearns is another one of those players that can have that type of camp. Base salary, 2.5 incentives. There you go. Can get up to five there. Yeah. Um, Sometimes it it just happens that way, that that guys have a camp that makes it to where you can't keep them on the sideline. They have to be on the field some way, somehow. Maybe you create more packages. You find yourself in dime more often. Um, which would be justified because you know there are some good quarterbacks here in the first few weeks of the of the of the season. So um, that that would be the only way that I'd see Kareem Jackson not starting. That he just has that kind of camp Stearns that you can't keep him on. You the, just can't, can't deny keep him it. off the field. He can't deny it. I'm so excited. I just can't hide it for Caden Stearns. Yeah, that's Kyle but, Reese's theme of this offseason. You're talking about physicality. You're talking about what happens when the pads come on. Yeah, you know. What about it? it? It gets ramped up. What are you looking for? Well, Kareem Jackson is somebody who should pop when the pads come on, right? He'd probably That's be out there tomorrow. Here. He'll probably be out there tomorrow. Yeah. It'll be it'll be interesting. What I'm looking for when pads come on, I'm looking for physicality, man. I'm looking for how hard are we working, right? Like guys fighting through, especially in the receiver room, are guys fighting through contact to make catches. Another thing that I thought was interesting that Mason Cecil brought up yesterday on Orange and Blue today, they said that Greg Dulcich has yes. not had a great start to camp, not True. fighting back to the – not fighting back to the football, right? You you know, as Greg Dulcich, you're going to have some work to do to make this team. You're not Sean Payton's guy. You might have had a couple of, you know, good catches in OTAs, but tight end position, as we know well with Albert O, involves a lot more than just your ability to catch football. Yeah, so Nate and I were actually sitting next to each other uh, on this specific play, uh, and, and I was thinking it, but Nate said it. He said, oh, man, you got you got to fight a little harder on that one. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. One, is that in his DNA? And two... Um, He's a UCLA boy. That's part of his DNA, right? <laughs> and, that's part of, and, and he doesn't have the biggest frame to do that, right? Um, and that can be a learned skill, but you got to be committed to it. So, you know, I, I, from a specific reference point, that was one play that happened on Friday that, that I know uh, Nate in particular, a former tight end, said, oh, man, we, there, was a, there was an opportunity that you turned down there, so... Um, you know, it's one play, and, and again, you don't want to be an early evaluator, but those kind of things are a little telling about players. All right, some other takeaways and some other projections as we head into week two of training camp. It's Matt Smith and Kyle Reese on Denver Sports Station, 104.3 The Fan.
You know what I was going to text you yesterday? I don't no. know if anybody can hear me right now, so I just, I'm going to assume it's just you and I talking. Okay, I have no idea. What, what were you? I was going to text you how much I appreciated working with you, man. Stop that. Stop I was. That. You're setting me up. I was. You're setting not, me up like this Terrence zero, Crawford. Zero set up Errol Spence. Zero setup. Zero setup. You know, we oh, just got you. informed that Mayor, the show may or may not have been on the air, which is fine. We still got a chance to spend time together. And you know what? I got no problem with it. Okay. Most people be upset. I'm like, all right, I got to hang out with Kyle for two hours and chop it up. That works for me. Okay. That fits my weekend. Probably doesn't fit your weekend. I'm going to say thank you. I'm single. This no is- kids. You know, nothing to worry about. You, on the other hand, you're probably like, well, this is a giant waste of time. No, I'm like, no, 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 no. Because no. for me, I appreciate getting to spend some time. There was, never, there was no such thing. Don't tell me I'm not an appreciative person. <clears throat> Week two for the Broncos Cautious, is upcoming. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> we, I'm not, there was no setup. Okay. I know normally you're kind of like looking behind you to see if somebody's going to tabletop you when I start complimenting you. But no, that was a real one. Okay. That was a real one. Appreciate I it. do appreciate it. Awesome. You too. Oh, thanks. Is this kind of like last week you asked me how I was doing so you could tell me how you're doing? No, it has nothing to do with that. But (laughs) you didn't ask me again how I was doing today. (laughs) Uh, Week two for the Broncos training camp is coming up. When I look at things and accomplishables for the Denver Broncos this week, Kyle, I'm looking for specifically can we build off of what we showed last week, right? Like the install and, and getting the system and the structure right. More than anything, I'm looking to see, does the process look smoother? Does the process look cleaner? Are we able to learn from film and translate it to the, to the field, right? Because I can coach it till I'm blue in the face, but if you can't internalize it, then take it out to the field, it's kind of pointless. Yeah, the saying is, it doesn't matter what coaches know. It matters what players know. Mm. And so how are you building on that knowledge stack? And then how are you layering things up? I like that a lot. Uh, Specifically, uh, as it pertains to the outside zone, wide zone, call it whatever you want. Okay, now how do we introduce the boot game? What does that look like? Who are the players in that, right? Is it Dulcich? Is it Albert O? Who are you going to use in order to create that level concept on the backside of your outside zone? Um, So that's the next layer in the run game. In the seven on sevens, um, uh, I believe they said it was 12 snaps per per period. So you got to about 25 snaps uh, this week, maybe a few more. Um, You saw a lot of quick game, a lot of short game. Right. A lot of check downs. All right. So now how do you build on to the intermediate game and, and now pushing the ball down the field? Because, you know, Russell Wilson wants to do that. And you're not going to completely eliminate that from from his uh, from his talent base. So those are the things that you want to layer on. We talked in the previous segment a little bit about Greg Dulcich specifically. And if Greg Dulcich turns out to continue to struggle in camp, if he just can't get it down, if he's not being physical enough, if he's not showing strides, I don't think Sean Payton will be afraid to sit him at the bottom of the depth chart with Alberto. I really don't. They brought in Adam Troutman and Chris Manhurts, and need be, those two guys can get the job done. Because they also brought in Tommy Hudson, too, at tight end. He was getting into it yesterday, apparently, out there. A little bit of an on-field scrap with Randy Gregory. Well, I mean, when you're a guy that's on the outside looking in, right, you got you got to Bring a little attitude, a little toughness. Got to mix it up. Um, yeah, you know, it's an interesting Interesting concept to explore because, yeah, you put him at the bottom of the depth chart, but you don't get rid of him because – No, you can't. You, no. you can't, you know, honestly because of where he was drafted, but also because he, the talent 
is is there. The talent is real. You know, I look at what he did in that Jacksonville game. Uh, he he was a, he's a real factor. So he can be a difference maker, uh, but it just might take some refinement. And I think that you know from the Jimmy Graham days, right? He's in that ilk. I'm not calling him Jimmy Graham, so I don't I don't go Ooh, there. I don't know about that. Don't go I think there, he is. A, I think he's in that ilk. Okay. And you're projecting clearly. I mean, he clearly has a Which long is ways why you to have go. To keep him. Yeah, I get that, and he clearly has a long ways to go to get there. I think another thing I'd like to see is another, you know, body brought in here. Not just a body, another contributor brought in here on the defensive line. I mean, they can continue to wait, but from all accounts, yesterday this offensive line without Mike McGlinchey was absolutely mauling the D line, mauling them, and the pads haven't even gone on yet. Typically, when the pads are off. It's easier, right, as a as the D line to win those battles. It's it's easier just at the, in this part of the season, right? right. Because defense is it, it develops faster. Right? Sure, there's less, there's less thinking, there's less communication, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, to see that, you know, I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing. I would, you know, from an offensive standpoint, I love it. Right, hey man, you're getting it done. Yeah, Ben Powers apparently had a great day yesterday. Apparently, Ben Powers has been every bit as advertised the first several days out there at camp, and the Ravens. Listen, man, anybody cut from that that cloth, sign me up. Yeah, but it's also like, hey, <laughs> kind of got lucky there, it feels like, because good offensive linemen don't typically hit the free agent market. I'll still be you know, holding my breath a little bit before we, we see Mike McGlinchey assimilate into this offense because while he's had some good numbers, certainly, and he's established a reputation for himself to the point where he can go out and get an $85 million contract, man, Good offensive linemen typically don't become readily available. No doubt. I think that if you look up four years from now and he's been to the Pro Bowl two or three times. That'd be great, man. Sign me up. You're getting a bargain at that point. Yeah, sign me up for that. And then receivers. How does that that position group in those battles continue to develop? Jerry Judy did have a drop yesterday. Did have a drop yesterday. Sutton with a nice catch. Tim Patrick with a nice catch in traffic. Man, if if those drops come back and bite Judy this year, that would be extremely unfortunate. I mean, we talk about Judy as being, you know, having a real chance to capitalize off of what what he showed at the back end of the season. But man, if those start pop up, popping up again, that is really what has the only thing that's plagued him in his NFL career so far. Yeah, one of the things. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I, I think the biggest, at least. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, I, I want to be mindful not to overanalyze that because that's what practice is for. Sure. You know, and and sometimes receivers get into a, a catching slump. Yeah, but he has a history of it. He does have a history of it. And, and and the only way to get out of those kind of things is to just keep catching. You know, just like hitters. You, you Send them swinging. back up there. Shooters got to keep shooting. Just like after Goose died and Viper and what are you doing? Jester are what are you doing? talking and looking at Maverick, and they're saying, what, what should we do? Is he done? He said, no, just keep sending him back up. you got to get back into play. Just got to get back in the saddle. Yep. Matt Smith and Kyle Reese, we hope you had a wonderful Sunday morning. We certainly did as well. Thanks for tuning in on Denver Sports Station 104.3. The fan thanks Ty. Thanks, Sean. The judge is up next.